Welcome to Bill and Tony's Excellent Adventure in Music. Here are your hosts, Bill Fraser and Tony Sartu. Welcome to Bill and Tony's Excellent Adventure in Music. I'm Bill. And I'm Tony. And we are going to explore our love for music by sharing some facts and our thoughts on some of the best albums from the most recent Rolling Stone Top 500 album list. And today's album is Purple Rain by Prince and the Revolution. Purple Rain was released on June 25th, 1984. And on the 2003 Rolling Stone list, it was number 72. In 2012, it was number 76. And then in 2020, it moved all the way up to number eight. So somewhere along the way, Rolling Stone got, uh, I guess, saw the saw the light and uh, realized how good Purple Rain is. They, they got the religion and they <laughs> are on it. <laughs> well, thank goodness. So um, as far as basic sales performance goes, the album has sold 25 million copies worldwide since it was released. And in that time, it was released in 84. Bill, what's your history with this album? So 84, we're in Pinebrook Junior High Tone. In what town? Manalpin, New Jersey? Manalpin, New Jersey. And uh, I remember walking to school. Uh, I lived behind Pinebrook and I would walk to school and... 84 was like prime music listening years for me. So Prince was completely on my radar. Prince was huge for me. I absolutely loved this album. I had the cassette tape. So this is already past records and vinyl for me. This is, you know, pure cassette tape time. And I wore that tape out. So I feel like this is a recurring theme on these shows, but it amazes me how long we've known each other, how close we've been. And We've never once ever <laughs> talked about Purple Rain ever, ever, never, not once. So not once, um, <laughs> never come up. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll tell you what my history with Purple Rain specifically, I, it's not something that has stayed with me, to be honest with you. So the, you know, some so, uh, when doves cry and Purple Rain are songs that definitely, because those things are, are amazing, but I haven't revisited this album in the 21st century. So it's not something that has been important to me. At the time in 84, I absolutely loved watching the movie either on VHS or on cable. I definitely listened to this album, but you know, really my Prince phase was a little earlier. I had 45s for both um, 1999 and Little Red Corvette, and I played those 45s over and over again. The album Purple Rain, I definitely listened to, but not nearly as much as it sounds like you did. Yeah. Purple Rain was like my sweet spot for Prince. I, I definitely listened before that to the 1999 album, uh, but Purple Rain was like the, the breakthrough for me of like really becoming a huge Prince fan. All right. So why don't we talk about 1984 from a musical perspective. Well, we're, we're, we're 13 years old and let's, <laughs> let's go in the way back machine tone. We're 13 years old in 1984. What was going on? So what was going on musically? So 1984 was a strange year because it was dominated by a handful of heavy hitters. Do you know how many number one unique number one albums there were in 1984? Well, I know Prince had it for almost half the year. Yeah. So that that I do know, but other than that, I don't. Only five, only five albums I were number I, I one this it. year, which means I believe it was it. just absolutely dominated by a handful of albums. So th the beginning of the year, the first 15 weeks of the year, number one was Michael Jackson's Thriller, Have You Heard of It? Still hanging on. Yep, <laughs> so, absolutely. So Thriller is number one, and it was the top-selling album of 1984. Uh, then it was followed by the Footloose soundtrack. So Footloose soundtrack, just a little aside, and I'm going to say shout out to my sister who I love very much and I, I'm praying for. Um, Footloose, I saw in the movie theater. I was forced to go to the movies with my sister and her friend because my mom wanted somebody to go with them. I had to sit in the front row, <laughs> like neck straight up staring, staring at the screen remember seeing that movie in the in the theater so yes i absolutely knew the footloose soundtrack was on that that number one list as well well so since you mentioned it some uh trivia for me when we got our first vcr went to easy video in manalpin easy video and 
the one of the first three movies we rented was uh, Footloose. So love the Footloose here as well. So that was number one for 10 weeks. Then one album, the next album was number one for one week. And it's amazing. I just heard this guy on the radio the other day and you forget how huge he was. Huey Lewis and the News Sports was number one. That was a great Lewis. album. It was amazing. It was a great album. Yeah. yeah. And, and shout, shouts to Lawrenceville because uh, Huey Lewis is a, a graduate of Lawrenceville Prep yeah. or uh, the Lawrenceville School. And then the next was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. And the Dancing in the Dark video. <laughs> Gosh, who knew that that girl who danced so terribly would be such a such a star? And and Born in the USA, only number one for four weeks. I mean, amazing. When you think about all the, I mean, Bruce, as, as iconic as Bruce is, he's not a guy who has a lot of hit singles. That album, that album has like seven hit singles on it. That, that album is just a crazy hit machine and the fact that born in the usa was only number one for four weeks tells you just how big the next and last album that was number one in 1984 was prince and the revolution purple rain closed out the last 22 weeks of the year and then continued on into uh 85 for a couple of weeks as number one yeah it had 20 24 consecutive weeks yeah. at number one yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. to me like the fact that born in the usa wasn't like number one for six months is hard to believe it oh it's insane yeah. it just it was how huge prince yeah. was in 1984 yeah. that that album that movie and specifically like mid-year when that movie came out the album was number one when dove's cry was number one and the movie was number one all at the same wow. time enormous all right so that's the the number ones anything any other notables yeah. So again, this is our sweet spot tone. So let, let's, let's talk about it a little bit, right? So you've got on top of the things that you mentioned, Van Halen, 1984. <laughs> so my, my, yeah, you know, yeah. one of my favorite bands ever love Van Halen. Mm -hmm. And it's, this is prime, you know, David Lee years, yeah. right? This is the last David Lee album and it's a phenomenal album, just a phenomenal album. So it's in my top 50, uh, and I'll get heat for not rating it higher, but um, from people who's to question why, well, if you're such a huge Van Halen fan, why aren't you rating it higher? Um, anyway, you, you have 1984, Madonna, like a virgin in 1984. Wow. So, so, Wham, what, 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 make it big in 1984. So let's stay on Madonna for a second. So this is really just to put into context. I was way more into Madonna than I was into Purple Rain, which isn't to slag Purple Rain, but like Madonna was absolutely my jam at this point. Yeah. No, that, that was huge as well. Wham, make it big. That, that was the big album yeah. with careless whisper and you know all the, all Wake the big songs on it. Yep. You've got Frankie goes to Hollywood. Relax. Relax right. Tina Turner, private dancer Jeez. that year. Wow. You two unforgettable fire that year. REM reckoning. Don't go back to Rockville. The cars, heartbeat city. And then you've got Hall and Oates. Oh, Come on. B big bamboom. So like 84 was crazy, crazy, awesome music. I'm curious. So, and maybe we could revisit this uh, offline, but was it crazy, awesome music or was it just our sweet spot? Because it's we our were sweet, 14, it's our, it's our, know? it's our sweet spot. Cause we were yeah. 13, 14. Yes. All right. I, I, I love eighties music. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. So, um, so that's what was going on musically. What's going on in the All right. world. All right. So let's talk about what was going on in the world. Again, mm -hmm. like we're teenagers. It's 1984. Reagan beats Mondale in the election in, in, in 84. An enormous landslide. In an enormous landslide. But you have the first female vice presidential candidate with Geraldine Ferrara. The bell system was broken up in 1984. Oh, that's right. The baby bells. Yep. Russia boycotted the 84 mm -hmm. Olympics after the U.S. boycotted the 80 Olympics, yep. right? So 84 Olympics in L.A. Yep. Crack cocaine, first produced in L.A. HIV first identified Vanessa Williams, the first black Miss America, the nude penthouse mm -hmm. photos, and she has to step down. There's Michael Jackson's hair catches on fire doing the Pepsi commercial. Bernard gets the subway oh, vig wow. vigilante sh shoots, shoots the, the, the four young men on the, on the subway. Marvin Gaye was killed by his father. You've got the dancing in the dark video that we mentioned before. Do you know it's Christmas oh, is, really? is made that year? The Mac computer, where's the beef Wendy's commercial? <laughs> the Cosby show debut, Alex Trebek debuts as the host of Jeopardy. Wow. 
Beverly Hills Cop is the movie. Footloose, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Police Academy. 1984 <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> Hey, not bad. Yeah, you know we need to re- maybe we need to do a pod on just 1984 pop culture. <laughs> I think we do. All right. And oh, not to mention my favorite John Hughes film, Sixteen Candles, 1984. I think that probably wraps up 1984. Tom. Yeah, quite a year. So why don't why don't we just talk for a minute, just briefly mm-hmm. about artist background? So Prince was born in 1958 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. His dad's name was John Nelson. His mom's name was Maddie Shaw. His father, John Nelson, performed as Prince Rogers. His band was the Prince Rogers Band. So they named their son Prince Rogers Nelson. There you go. So that's where his name came from. He picked up music early on his own. He taught himself how to play the piano, the guitar, and the drums, and kind of split time between his mom and his dad when they split up when he was young. And he just really was a prodigy. He very quickly got into music and was signed really by the age of 20 to a a record deal with, with Warner. Wow. And forgive me. Did you say that his mom was also involved in music? She was a jazz singer. Yes. Wow. So I guess it's uh, in the genes a little bit, just a little bit. And then, so that's the background on, you know, Prince uh, coming up. And then I'll just talk a little bit about who was in the revolution. So the revolution uh, was also a band formed from Minneapolis based performers and they included uh, Wendy Melvoyne who did guitars and vocals, a guy named Mark Brown who performed as Brown Mark. He did bass and vocals. Lisa Coleman did keyboards, piano and vocals. Matt Dr. Fink did keyboards and vocals and then Bobby Z did drums. So that's the revolution at the time of Purple Rain. So let's talk about the album cover. We like to talk a little bit about the art in the totality of what it is. And this album cover for me is something that stands out in my memory. I remember having the cassette. I remember it's just something that really is just a vivid image. You've got Prince on a motorcycle. There's fog and smoke in the background. There's a, a woman in the doorway that he's kind of leaving behind or, or she's, she wants him to come back or you, you can't really tell exactly what's going on, but he's all decked out in purple on the motorcycle. And you've got Purple Rain and Prince and the Revolution in purple on the album cover. It just screams Prince every time I see the album cover. It's definitely memorable because I don't think of this album without picturing that album cover. So, you know, it doesn't have as much, you know, depth and and hidden Easter eggs as some of the other things we've talked about. But it's still completely memorable, which is kind of the point, right? It is memorable. It's, it is, it's an iconic 80s album cover just because of the imagery of Prince, to your, to your point. And that maybe leads into, maybe we could talk about the movie a little bit, because we mentioned before that he had the movie, the hit single, and the hit album in 1984. One of the things that kind of led into the making of this album was Prince demanded from his, his record company that he wasn't going to make another album unless they got him a movie deal. So he held them hostage to make his next album and said, you got to get me a movie deal or I'm not making you an album. He wrote a hundred songs, a hundred songs for the movie. And he gave them to the director and said, here, here's some, here's some songs to choose from to, to use for the movie. Oh, really? So that's, so it's not like he, they wrote the movie and then he wrote music to it. He said, he wrote a hundred songs for the director to choose from to, to, to use this to together score the movie. into a movie. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. That's interesting. See, I didn't know that. I, I imagined that they wrote the movie and then he wrote the, the songs to it but it was the other way around. It was the other way around. Now, and, and he was just so incredibly prolific, you know, as far as like writing music. Yeah. He actually wrote more songs than the Beatles did. He, he has a back catalog of over 600 songs that, he, that he's written. Wow. So speaking of the movie then, so did you see this in the theaters? I did. I saw it in the theater. I saw it many times on cable. This, when you So in 84, you were 13. How did you see this in the theaters? Did you go with so mom I, or dad or? I went, I, yeah, I went with mom and dad. So really? we, we would go to like, yeah. So I like I, the first R-rated movie I saw was I think Stir Crazy when I was pretty darn young. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it was maybe a little different time about, you know, R, and R-rated movies weren't quite the R-rated movies that are today, um, you know. It was more about cursing and might you might see a, a nipple here or there, but it wasn't as vulgar as an R movie is today. Well, well so look, this is for another pod, but I disagree because I was actually just reading a, a piece just yesterday about how the mid 80s was 
the glory days for sex on screen. Like the number of like it was commonplace for a movie to have nudity and sex. And now it's like a big deal if there's nudity or sex. Yes, I guess. But it was I don't know. I I, I think of movies like Stripes and, and Caddyshack and well, it's kind of tame. Uh-huh. I mean, it, like, there's yeah, there was nudity, but it was kind of yeah. tame. Well, either way. So you saw uh, with mom and dad, you saw Purple Rain, huh? Yep. So it was 84, saw the movie, saw it on cable after the fact, whenever it came on cable the year after or whatever it was. And just a really interesting movie, really interesting movie. It's kind of loosely about Prince's history, probably more just about his struggle artistically than it is about exactly his background. Mm -hmm. So... When was the last time you saw the movie? Roughly? So I haven't seen it probably 30 years. So I, I actually, yeah, I was going to watch it before the pod, but it's just been kind of a rough week. Yeah. So didn't get a chance to watch it, but you can't stream it anywhere. You have to buy it. So I was going to oh. buy it on iTunes or whatever and just watch it. So, so you couldn't I, go I to will. Easy I just, Video? I couldn't go to Easy Video or, or uh, what was the one? I don't remember. There was another one. Uh, uh, on Hollywood. Union, on Union, on, no, 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 no. This is before that. There was one on Union Hill Road. I'm sorry, right off of Union Hill Road on Route 9. I can't oh, remember the name of the damn video one. store, but that's the one we used to go to. It was this little video store. It was like a no-name video store, but it was awesome. All right. Uh, so you hadn't seen this since the 80s either. So I intentionally didn't want to watch the movie because I wanted to judge the soundtrack on its merits. But as I've, so I've now listened to this 10 times in the last week. And I said, boy, I feel like I'm missing context because it's hard to imagine what were they going for with some of these songs without actually seeing the movie. I don't feel that way, actually. So I I want it. So it's funny because we come at it completely different because I did want to see the movie but it wasn't because I wanted the context for the album because I listened to the album again, probably the same amount, 10 times or more uh, as well. And I didn't feel like I needed context. I, I felt like I wanted to get the context of the movie because really I think the, the songs created the movie more than the movie created the mm-hmm. songs. And I just wanted to see the movie just from a nostalgic perspective. All right. Well then maybe that's uh, something to do. Uh, I'm going on vacation next week. Maybe I'll uh, pick up a copy of purple rain i'm definitely going to i'm gonna watch it so can't wait well it's either that or the british baking show we'll see what gets voted on in the in the family <laughs> i think i think you're gonna be watching some cupcake making <laughs> all right so that brings us to our next segment something you might not know so tony you want to go first today all right yeah so i've got a couple of things so i'm gonna focus on oh so one of my favorite things in this exercise so far, what episode is this? Number seven? This is episode six. Six. So it just continues to amaze me how interconnected these things are over the course of like 20 years, almost are are the albums. And yet there's so many connections. So um, my, something you might not know is going to be Stevie Nicks. And there's one that is relatively commonly known. And then there's a second one that isn't so commonly known. So the first one that's more commonly known is that Stevie was driving home and then I think she, she got married in, in probably some Wiccan ceremony. So they're driving home from the wedding and they hear Little Red Corvette on the radio. And supposedly, and listen, I think Stevie, I love her, but I think that she might invent stuff. So was she a coyote witch at the time when she was <laughs> she absolutely could have been Cavassier Stevie. It was after the wedding, so who knows? But she claims that they're driving home, they hear Little Red Corvette, and she says, Oh my god, I have a song. They pull over, they buy a tape recorder at a like a at a pawn shop, and she starts like writing stand back on the uh on the tape recorder. So then they're recording it and, you know, some, some time later and she supposedly, no, well, this part I think is true. She called it. It is. This part is true. She calls Prince doesn't know Prince, but through her, you know, manager agent, you know, gets his number, calls him and says, Hey, we're recording the song. You inspired it. You know, do you want to come in and maybe work on it with us? 
And without returning the call, he shows up at the studio an hour later, drops all the keyboard lines for stand back and then leaves. Like they don't even get to say goodbye. He just like, they turned around and they turned back and he's gone. And she said he was brilliant. Absolutely crazy. So if anyone knows stand back from Stevie, that I, you know, iconic keyboard line is all Prince. So that's the something you probably know because that's a relatively commonly known story. The one that's a little less commonly known is that Purple Rain, when Prince wrote it, he originally uh, had all the music, but he was wrote it. He, he had it in mind in a different way. He thought of it as a country ballad. So he sends Stevie the tracks and says, hey, here's this music. I think that, you know, I'd love to hear what you might be able to write to this. And she listens to it. And let me take a look at my notes. What did she exactly say? So here's exactly what she said. She said, it was so overwhelming. I listened to it and I just got scared. I called him back and said, I can't do it. I wish I could. It's too much for me. So originally Prince had purple rain as a country song and he wanted stevie to write the lyrics to it that's pretty crazy so and and i'll save this for later so that's going to actually inform the way i look at the tracks on this album you know with that country intent in mind for purple rain so um any other things you want to go to okay so i've got some build on so i'm going to build on where where you went so we're going to stick with purple rain and Purple Rain was actually originally inspired in the 1999 tour. So Prince is on tour in the 1999 tour with uh, the keyboardist Mick, and they're talking, and uh, they're they're following Bob Seger in arenas. So they're they're touring the country and they're going to these different venues, and they're like. Prince is like, I like Bob Seger. Like, this guy's just crazy popular. Like, what's going on? You know what? And, I'm sorry to interrupt. Now, I've never thought of this before, but I feel like Bob Seger was like Huey Lewis before Huey Lewis. I agree. I, I, I think he was, yes. Except for maybe a little sadder. Mm. Huey's very upbeat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so they're following Seger in all of these venues and Prince is like, Oh my God, this guy is, so, I love his music. He's great. He's so popular. So the, his, the keyboardist is like, Hey, you know, if you could write something like Seeger and, and do a country ish ballad, you would appeal to such a wider, broader base. You'd be, you'd be just huge. You'd be enormous. You'd go from being like my miles Davis to being more like Elvis. You would be enormous. So this is circling around in Prince's head for a while and he's thinking about it. And so he gets this as like the starting point for Purple Rain. So he writes this music and as you shared, he, he reaches out to Stevie. Well, when he wrote the music, he also realized, holy cow, um, this sounds a lot like something else. I think I need to call this band because I don't want to get sued. So he picks up the phone and he, and he calls Jonathan Kane the keyboardist from Journey. And he said, Jonathan, I want to play something for you. And and I really, I I love your music. I love Faithfully. It's one of my favorite songs. Please listen to this and tell me if you think it's okay if if I can record this song, because I really feel like I'm not only using a lot of the chord progressions, but a lot of the guitar styling and the the picking style that that Neil Schoen uses in in Faithfully, because I love Neil Schoen. So he plays the, the clip for Jonathan Cain and Jonathan Cain says, you're good. It's beautiful. I love it. You're going to have a huge hit. You have our blessing. Go ahead and do it. So Prince goes ahead and does it. He reaches out to Stevie. Stevie says no, winds up writing it. So you've got Seeger, you've got Journey, you've got Stevie, you've got all of these things layered on that winds up being Purple Rain. And it's super, super cool. Yeah, I love that story. And what that story sort of confirms is that Purple Rain, the only other reference to Purple Rain that anyone can find is in the America song Ventura Highway, where they explicitly say Purple Rain. So, you know, people naturally thought, oh, was he inspired by America, Ventura Highway, Purple Rain? And Prince 
you know, very plainly reached out to Jonathan Cain and Journey talking about that influence did not, you know, has never said any influence about America and uh, Ventura Highway. So it seems to suggest that that is just coincidence. And I believe what Prince said was that it was just imagery about like Armageddon, end of the world and blue sky, blood in the sky. Blood blood in the sky comes together purple. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, America's Ventura Highway, with the reference to Purple Rain, is probably not an influence for this song. So, are you up for a couple of little bonus uh, oh, something you didn't know? I love it. Go. All right. So, all right. So let's let's stick with Stevie for a second. Um, so Stevie, and this this is where I'm going to agree with you. Stevie's out there, mm-hmm. and you don't know what to believe or mm-hmm. what not to believe. Stevie Stevie firmly believes that when Doves Cry was inspired by Edge of Seventeen. <laughs> Hey, look, Edge of Seventeen made me a Stevie solo fan, but I, Stevie, I'm just I, I don't I don't see yeah. it. But she, there's multiple art articles where she's interviewed and she's firmly in the camp of Prince was a huge Stevie fan. You know, she talks about herself, I think, in third person also. So uh, anyway, so so that's one little bonus. But let, let's stick with the prolific Prince as well. So I, I mentioned before, Prince has got this huge back catalog of, of songs. So he wrote so many songs that you that, you know, not just from Prince, but from other artists making them famous. So in 1984, one of Prince's songs was a hit that wasn't a hit by Prince. It was on one of his earlier albums, but it was made more famous by Shaka Khan in 1984, I Feel For You. So that was on one of his really early albums, but she re-recorded it. She, she titled her album that, and that was a, a Prince song. You've also got Nasty Girl by Vanity Six, Jungle Love by The Time, The Glamorous Life by Sheila E., Manic Monday, which you recall from The Bangles. You've got Nothing Compares to You, Sinead O'Connor. How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore by Alicia Keys and Love Song by Madonna, as well as With This Tear, Celine Dion, When You Were More by Cyndi Lauper, and many, many, many more. So he is just this incredibly prolific songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and absolute genius. And, and I do firmly believe that he struggled with Am I Miles Davis or Am I Elvis? Because I think he kind of really swam between those two. Is he this just brilliant experimental artist like Miles, or is he this just pop iconic sensation like Elvis? And he was both. And I think, and and we'll go talk about this when we go through the tracks. I think it's even more than that because I think that this album shows him dabbling in multiple genres, like eight genres, you know, so, um, and we'll talk about that later. So I think that that, that conflict in him, I think it's, he had so much talent and he could literally do anything that he wanted. And when you can do anything, it can be hard to figure out, well, what am I going to do if I can do everything? So I guess that's a good transition to let's talk about the tracks. So Purple Rain has nine songs and, you know, again, you know, as we've talked about, especially for our younger listeners, this is still the era when music was recorded in with the framework of vinyl, even though you had it on cassette. I didn't have this on vinyl, but that was still sort of the way people thought about things. So the this actual movie has many more songs than the nine that are here, but they had to cut it down to the 44 minutes with the two sides of about 22 minutes. And that's how we ended up with this combination of nine songs that is 22 minutes per side. So the first song is Let's Go Crazy. Any thoughts? Dearly Beloved. What a, Just an amazing song. What, Just an amazing song. What a way to open an album, right? Just a phenomenal way to yeah. open an album. So I'll be honest, like, you know, I, I've heard that song enough where if it comes on the radio, I do kind of flip it sometimes because I've heard it Dude, enough. Dude, never, never. Yeah. Volume up every time. <laughs> <laughs> but when I listen, when I, every time I listen to this album, you know, in this past week, I just love that opening, the way it starts. I just love it. I think it's amazing. I can't think of a better way to open an album. Well, and I shared on our uh, Facebook page uh, earlier in, in the week, 
I had gone to a concert this week at Starland Ballroom and a, a great young band, Dirty Honey, did a cover of Let's Go Crazy. And they did a more rock, rock and roll stylized version of it. But it just a more rock and roll stylized version because well it it, it no I'm, it, it's it's probably it's probably a little bit more country I should say sorry yeah. it's 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 a little they they countrified it they slowed it down a little oh, okay. bit more sorry uh, yeah so they they did it a little different um, and if you've listened to they actually did it for the NHL win, Winter Classic last year in Minnesota so they recorded it for the NHL asked them to record it and they they did it because it was being held right, in Minnesota right. they did it for Prince and Prince's yeah. Honor and whatnot so they slowed it down. But their their guitarist, the, the the dude, I don't remember his name. I'm I'm, I'm going to apologize for not remembering the guitarist's name. Dude is amazing, and he's not Prince, but he's the best live guitarist I've seen in a very long time. Just insane. So th- this has like triple connections to what I'm thinking about. So my my framework for this uh, review of tracks is talking about the different genres that I think of with the different songs. And this song to me is the hard rock song. And before you mentioned um, the fact that who was the band? Dirty Honey. Dirty, Dirty Honey. Opening yeah. for Wolfgang Van Halen. Yep. Before you, I knew any of that. I was thinking this song is a Van Halen song. If Prince was doing Van Halen, it would be Let's Go Crazy. And it's really interesting because the whole concept of Prince and the Revolution is Prince saying, I'm a, I can be that rock band guy too. So I can, I can, I can be whatever you want me to be. You want me to be a solo artist? Go listen to my earlier albums. You want me to put a band together and put out rock music? I can do that too. You're right. That Let's Go Crazy is a rock song and it's an awesome rock song. And it's, to me, it's a Van Halen song. It's Prince doing Van Halen. I, that's like, every time I listen to him shredding that song, I'm thinking, I feel like that's Eddie. It, it's an Eddie, it's an Eddie yeah. solo. Yeah, exactly. But you know, at the time, there's probably you know, three guitarists in the world that could yeah. do that solo. Prince, Eddie, and Steve Vai. And that was it. <laughs> that's so funny because I was thinking the same thing. And I said, in my head, I said, Prince, Eddie, and Steve Vai. So, okay, so I guess that must be right. Okay. So any other thoughts on Let's Go Crazy? Just a brilliant song. And I, it's something, it's one of the songs that jumps to mind when I, I mean, I, Prince brings a lot of things to mind for me, especially in listening to the, the the 500 albums. He's got a few albums on the list, but this, this song jumps out at me when I think of Prince. For sure. All right. So the second track is take me with you. And uh, I'll start with my thoughts then. So to me, again, with this framework that I've got to me, this is Prince saying I can do a pop song too. You want a pop song? Yep. Here you go. Here's Take Me With You. And to me, I hear Take Me With You, and I feel like this is just Manic Monday. You know, not saying that they're connected in any way, but as much as Manic Monday is a absolutely perfect pop song, Take Me With You is the same. And and frankly, I you know, I've listened to this song a lot over the last week. I can't believe that this actually hasn't had more staying power it should have been bigger than it was yeah i agree it it was a really it's perfect kind of pop a perfect song. pop song right yeah it should it should have been bigger than it was yeah so i don't know so those are my thoughts on take me with you yeah no i i agree i i think that it is definitely very much sweet spot for you know wide audience it had a really nice beat to it it was still upbeat and you know it's got it's got a catchy hook yeah. so all right next up is beautiful ones any thoughts this is one that really doesn't stand out too much to me, to be very honest. So I, I like I, when I think of this album, you know, there are there are album there, there are songs on this album that that just jump out at me, and this is probably the one that doesn't, to be very honest. So there's not a song on the album I don't like, but this is probably the one that stands out to me the least. Yeah. So I don't love it either, but again, continuing with my uh, framework here, I hear an '80s R&B love song when I hear beautiful ones, especially where the first half or three quarters of it, he's primarily doing it in falsetto and baby, baby, baby. Yeah. There's a lot of baby, baby, baby. He also gives you a little spoken word part in the middle. (laughs) So he's giving you the falsetto. He's giving you the spoken word part. And all of that screams eighties R and B love song to me until the end when he then rocks out. When he, when he shreds again. Yeah, exactly. I think, I, I couldn't decide if I think that's cool or if it kind of takes me out of the song because I don't know what he's trying to do here. I, I haven't figured that out yet. But so again, just so beautiful ones to me, R&B, 80s love song. Next is 
to me the most confusing song on the album uh computer blue <laughs> so it's just a, it's a strange song um it, it, it i don't know it kind of gets trapped in my head though like i like i've listened to the album so much it's one of the songs that it's like it'll go around and around in my head every now and then just because of the some of the repetitiveness of the beat and the, the percussive elements in it that's what sticks out to me so you hit on it so th- this song is actually where i kind of felt comfortable with my paradigm for this album because to me this is now him sort of doing i can do techno or electronic music and I think that this is an exploration of, I mean, look, the, putting computer in the name kind of telegraphs it a little bit, but everything that you said musically with that, that re- re- repetitive uh, percussive element is the same thing. That's techno, right? So yeah. I think that, yeah. you know, I, re- I haven't read this anywhere. So maybe this paradigm is, is completely out oh, of I, mass. But, I, I, I agree yeah. with you. I think he's, he's very, broadly reaching yeah. with this album you've got so many different things that he's doing with the with the different songs in this album i agree with you 100 percent. and that leads me to what i think might be my favorite one of those examples not necessarily my favorite song in this album but darling nikki so well this this song probably might have had the biggest impact on this album to be very honest in what way the whole tipper gore thing tell us more so darling nikki is the reason why there are parental guidance labels on albums really yes so darling nikki tipper gore bought the album for her for their their daughter listened to the track before letting daughter have said album oh and bill let me i'm sorry to interrupt you but for our younger listeners tipper gore was the um uh wife of vice president or oh, was he just senator he he was senator al, al gore, gore at the time at the time okay yes so Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore, buys the album for their, for their daughter, listens to the album before giving it to, to their daughter, hears the songs, Darling Nikki, and loses her mind because the song's about masturbation in, in large part, and just proceeds to go after it and creates a whole thing and winds up being the whole driver for why we have parental notices on albums. Darling Nikki is the wow. reason. I, I feel like now that you're saying it, that rings a bell, but I wouldn't have remembered that if you hadn't mentioned it. So for me, what I like about Darling Nikki, it, it, and this song made me want to, this is part of why I wanted to see the movie, because I was trying to think, what's the context of this song? Because I get yeah, it. Uh, yeah, it's I, kind I, of yeah. dropped in there and it's like, well, what the heck is this all about? But thinking stylistically, the more I listened to it this past week, I was saying, you know what this song is? It's it's a little, you know, I don't know if vulgar is the right word, but, you know, it's a little. Um, it's very risque at the very, very least. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. So it's it's certainly risque. But you know what it really is? Couldn't you imagine this in like a 70s Broadway rock opera? You know, if, if Prince was writing a rock opera, a Broadway musical, this song, just narratively, the way it's the way this the 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 narrative goes in this it's it's meant to be a scene you know it's i'm not going to disagree with you but i'm going to say i would envision it slightly differently uh-huh. i would think of it more as like a french cabaret performance by like a an old old time uh risque dancer yeah like that's that's kind of where i would see it but similar i think both can be true both can be true yes all right so darling nikki what version of the matrix do we live in (laughs) next up is when doves cry well you know since edge of 17 was the (laughs) the inspiration inspiration you know just just like the one wing dove um no it's just a, a absolutely brilliant song and it's it's really like nothing that i had ever heard before and i don't know that there's a lot of songs that sound like it. it. It is unique and it's just powerful and different in a compelling way. This song is now, I mentioned Let's Go Crazy. Sometimes I flip the channel. This one, I never changed the, the, the channel. This song is absolutely amazing. It's just a straight up, you know, masterpiece of rock music. And I just can't get enough of this song. Don't disagree. So next is I Would Die For You. And to me, 
you know, again, exploring the different genres. I think that this is Prince doing a dance pop song. Yeah, catchy pop song. Mm -hmm. And the, the, this and the next song bleed into each other and have a very similar backing track or, or almost identical backing track and kind of play the same way for me. I like them both, but yeah, it's, it's both very similar feel. So I, I'll, I agree, but I'll, I'll disagree a little bit where, so I guess we're, we'll move on to Baby I'm a Star because it does bleed into it. So it's really sort of um, almost like one song, but I hear it might have some of the same elements and you know, like it mixes in, but baby I'm a star to me is straight up a seventies funk song. I, I hear a seventies funk song. I don't hear. You, you, you get some James Brown and baby. I'm a yeah. star. You definitely get some James Brown. And, and that's, you know, that's Prince can totally channel James. Absolutely. Brown. And, and, you know, continuing with this theme of him saying I can do anything that you want. So now, Hey, I just did a modern dance song. Here's seventies funk and I'm going to do seventies funk and I'm going to do it. Great. Anything else? No. And then, then, you know, you got the, the last track and the title track. Yeah. So, and this is really working backwards. Uh, this is where I started with this, this, this view of, you know, is he possibly exploring different genres? Because when I thought of Purple Rain as originally being a country song, that just sort of closes the loop, right? On all these different things that we've talked about. And then if you imagine Purple Rain is intended to, or was a, a, originally a country song, that's him absolutely saying, I can literally do anything you want. So just a little homework for our listeners. I, I, I'm going to suggest that you go and listen to Purple Rain, okay? But in addition to listening to Purple Rain, and, may, and maybe in this order, first break out your Spotify or Amazon music and listen to Bob Seger. Listen to We've Got Tonight and Turn the Page, okay? So listen to the Bob Seger songs, and then listen to Faithfully by Journey, and then listen to Purple Rain. You, you'll hear stylistically what Prince was going after with Seger, and then you'll hear the music from faithfully it's like chord progressions the picking like there's so much that's alike with faithfully and, and purple rain i'm excited to check that out it, it's it, i listened to it earlier it's it's really cool it's really really cool and and neil shone when he was interviewed about it he was like it's just it's so validating as an artist to have somebody and the the interview with with jonathan kane and the comments from neil shone they took it as a point of flattery they were just absolutely blown away it's it was just so amazing that somebody as talented and amazing as prince thought that what they did was so great that he would build on it they were flattered by it and that's that's how i look at it and i i think it is the sincerest form of flattery it's just it's brilliance that's so healthy and smart and you know you just think about all the people that got hung up on credit and stuff like that and and you're right that is the most incredible form of flattery and and i was a huge journey was my you know second concert i ever saw love journey love love journey and yep. and it's a it's a credit really to prince that he could take faithfully which is a great song but no one would ever think of it as you know iconic or or like incredible music they would just think oh yeah this is a nice you know power ballad you know whatever but to recognize what was great about it and then write freaking purple rain from it <laughs> on top of it amazing yes. <laughs> all right so there's the tracks no, no, and 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 jonathan kane you know he said that all i needed and all I, all I, I, I didn't ask for anything. I was honored that he called me and, and the, the reporter asked him, why didn't you ask for songwriting credit? He's like, why would I ask for songwriting credit? I was just thrilled that he called me. It was so great to get to talk to him. And it was, he was so joyous about the music. That's what I enjoyed. Uh, to your point, that's healthy. Yeah. All right. So there we go. So nine tracks, Purple Rain, we went through it. And I guess now it's time for the song draft. But before we start the song draft tone, oh. you know what it, you know what it's time for. It's time to close out last week's song draft. Okay. And let's just remind our fans what the song draft and what and what the song draft poll is. So every week, Tony and I, as we review our albums, we, at the end of the review of the songs, we get to do a little draft. We each, we alternate picks from the, the tracks on the album, and we create a little roster of songs, a team of songs. We each have our own little team from the tracks on the, on the album. 
And we then create a poll for our listeners and we ask our listeners to go out and vote on who made the better team. And it's time to close our poll, Tone. So as we're closing the poll, calculating the results, what is the stand? What are the standings? Well, Tony, this this is episode six. So we're we're actually now we're closing closing out. the poll on episode five. So this will be the fifth mm-hmm. song. What happened poll. in the first four? Uh, the first four well, they didn't end so well for you, Tone. So uh, am I 0 and 4? You are 0 for 4 so far, Tone. You're 0 for 4. Okay, well, I'm feeling an end to the streak. Let's hear the good news. So here's here's what I will say. I will say that I actually thought that you were going to win last week because I blew the first you pick. You totally blew the first pick. I blew the first pick. But I came on strong. And I, I when I looked at my roster after the draft, I firmly believed that I had won because – I actually think I had a better depth on my team and our fans agreed. I can't believe it. And that's actually in most in the comment, in the few people that left comments, that's those are the comments was Tony had the best overall song and it, that plays out on the responses of the votes. Almost 60% of the people who voted for song voted a day in the life as the best song, but I had the deeper team and that's what got me the win. All right. Well, I will point out that I got private messages from two listeners who voted for me, but they put their finger on and these two people commented separately. They didn't confer two separate opinions from listeners, Craig and Rick, who said that they think the problem why I keep losing is because I take like really the deep cuts that like the really the the real fans like. And you appeal to the masses and the masses, you know, hey, this is a democracy and there's more people in the masses than the people who like the deep cuts. And and I just need to improve my strategy and start appealing more to the masses. So thanks, Craig and Rick, for that advice. Maybe uh, you guys will help me get a win here. All righty, then. <laughs> you, you, whatever, whatever helps you sleep at yeah. night, Tony. <laughs> Yeah, and I probably just alienated all the people I need to convert to my side, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know. Um, all right, so time for this week's song draft. And because I chose Purple Rain as the album this week, you get first pick. And this is a great album to have first pick on. So, well, yeah, so now I'm with that whole conversation in mind, I'm a little. I'm a little torn, to be honest with you. I almost would rather have the second pick because I don't want to really? screw this one up. Like I did on last album. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll be straight with you. I think that to me, the hands down songs that I'm choosing between are when doves cry and purple rain. I think okay. purple rain is the anthem. That's like, like unforgettable song. That's amazing. But I think that when doves cry is artistically the best song on this album. And I'm, I'm totally stuck on what I'm going to go with. I'm going to stay true to myself. I'm going to go when doves cry and I think I'm going to lose because of it. So Tony, um, I, I agree with you that those were the two choices, but I think you chose the wrong one. Um, so purple rain is his magnum opus. It, it is the best song he's ever written. It's brilliant. It's brilliant on so many levels. It is the best song in this album. You chose wrong. I think you're right. I pick, I pick purple rain <laughs> at number two. Oh, damn it. All right. <laughs> Uh, so I'll go, let's go crazy at number three. I'm going to go with take me with you at number four. That's the right pick. I'll go. I would die for you at five. That is the correct pick as well. I'm going to go baby. I'm a star at number six. I'll go darling Nikki at seven. Yeah, that was my, that was my alternate pick. So I, I had a hard time with that one. Um, you know, I'm going to go against what I said before. Uh, and I'm going to pick the beautiful ones at, at number eight, yeah. uh, just because of the baby, 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 ballady nature of yeah. that song. I, I actually think it's pretty powerful. Um, I think that's the right choice. I, I thought you were going to go computer blue based on what you were saying before, but beautiful ones is the right call there. So I get computer blue yeah. at the end. Yep. Oh, dang it. So guys, listeners, did I screw up yet again here? Because I, I try, I, I didn't follow Rick and Craig's advice. I didn't go with. You, you outthought yourself. You outthought yourself. I, you got in your own head. Yeah. 
That's true. I did. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so guys, let us know in the show notes. There's a link to the uh, the song draft. And also, um, I'll, we'll put it on our Facebook page yeah, as well. It'll be on the Facebook so. page. And also, I'm going to ask Bill to add in a couple of extra questions to the poll. So, guys, here's what I want uh, you guys to comment on is when did you last see the movie? And we'll put in like multiple choice. We're going to just put in decades. You know, did you see it in the 80s, 90s, aughts, 2010s, 2020s? You know, they just get a sense of when people have how this movie has resonated with people over time. So curious about that. And then also I want to ask people who saw this in the theaters. Bill saw it in the theaters. I didn't. And I'm just wondering how many of our listeners actually saw it in the theaters. So we'll put those questions out on the uh, poll as well. All right. So what do you got? So final thoughts, Bill. So final thoughts. Um, this album for me is as powerful as the first time I listened to it. So I, I, I listened to this in 84 when it came out. I was already a Prince fan and this made me a Prince disciple. Uh, you know, when he starts this album, Dearly Beloved, I was at church. Mm -hmm. um, it, this album was something that it was it was a spiritual experience listening to it. And it for me, it stays that way. I, I think it every track is good. Um, it's very diverse, as you said. It really touches on so many different things. It really highlights how brilliant Prince was and really the breadth of capability that he has. He he could be that Miles Davis or he could be that Elvis Presley or anywhere in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this reminded me of how great Prince is. This I've really enjoyed my time with the album this past week. Not going to lie, hadn't listened to it in decades. Not sure that I'm going to continue to listen to it, but definitely reminded me how great he is and reminded me of how much I appreciate his talent. So where does that leave you? Um, you know, this exercise, this whole endeavor is you ranking the top 500 Rolling Stone albums and we're exploring your top 20. Where is this in your ranking? So this one is in my top 10. Uh, Rolling Stone rates it at their number eight. I rate it at my number nine. It's right behind rumors for me. Uh, it is an excellent album. I think it's firmly in top 10. I think Prince is, is a absolute genius. And the the musicality, the, the fact that he had a band backing him when he could have went in the studio and did all of the, he could have dropped sure. all of the parts. Yeah, of this. Of he, he could have played every single thing. Better, this, right? better than any of the other, you know, but, members of the band. But he was, he was being Prince the star. And that's for me what this album is. All right. Well then I guess that wraps it up for this show. What do we have on tap for next week? Well, Tony, next week was your pick. And I know that I was very excited when I heard what you picked because I am super looking forward to listening to this album on repeat for the next week. So why don't you share with, with our audience what you chose? So I picked The Stranger by Billy Joel. Cannot wait. Great album. Great album. Interesting. So will it crack the top 10? I guess, folks, you'll have to tune we'll have, in next we'll have week. To, we'll, ha we'll have to wait and yeah. see. We'll have to wait and see. There's only so many spots left in that top 10, you know? So, All right. So take us out. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Got it. Talk to you soon.